guys, it's Lavetta. And it's Miriam. And we are Notorious Women, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. Yes. yes. Y'all. How you doing? Holes. I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. Okay. Just... All right. You know what? That's how I am too. It's our birthday <laughs> month. We're September babies. It's... Girl, happy We're Libra birthday. Babies. We are Libra babies. It's not till the end of September. Should we <laughs> yeah, tell them? But... Our birthdays are one day apart. Yes. See, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Makes (laughs) sense. I'm excited. I think we're pretty similar, right? I think think we're very similar, Lavetta. Like, yeah, it might be eerie a little bit. We're not the same. We're not the same. No, but we are also those Libras who can make a decision because I have met those Libras who can't make a decision and they drive me up the wall. I like... I make decisions whether or not they're good decisions. Right. I'm that kind of decision maker. <laughs> Let's just do this, you know? <laughs> Gotta get her done. Oh my and god. Then, so are you you're like you're a little bit like Fawn Hall or uh one of our subjects okay, from last week? So let's week. not go there. Okay. <laughs> Like, I hear you, and how dare you? And if you guys didn't listen, go back and listen to see what exactly it is she just accused me of. No. Okay, no. I think about it a little. Crack is whack. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Crack is always whack, (laughs) y'all. I think we should get started. But before we We do, we want to encourage you guys to subscribe, download, share our podcast with everyone, uh, follow us on all the things. We will also say this at the end, but I just wanted to remind you guys to do that. Um, I think, let me just double check, but I think I'm first this week. All right. Let's see. Yes. I am first this week. Uh, so for those of you who are who may be new to the podcast, this is how it's sort of set up. Um, I tell Miriam, whoever goes first tells uh, the other one about a notorious woman. The notorious yes. woman can be his, uh, heroic or horrific. Uh, she could be a biatch or she could mm. be an angel. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because in this world, uh, a woman can be called terrible whether she's doing something good or bad. Yeah, so it's true. Um, yeah. And we take turns. And this week is uh, my, I go first. And this week I have a doozy for you guys. And I'm, I'm ready. I'm so ready. I'm um, a little nervous. She's, <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I tend to like the terrible, <laughs> horrific ones. I like those. Um, what picture are you going to paint today? Lavetta? All right. Listen, women got a lot of rage. Sometimes they are justified and sometimes uh, not so much. And today's notorious woman, uh, the story I'm going to tell you is a very popular one. And she's actually one of my favorite ones because she's so terrible. Oh, Lord. Griselda Blanco. (gasps) Mm -hmm. Okay. I vaguely have heard of her. Yeah. Yes. And that is the extent of Mm. my uh, Espanol. Mm-hmm. It should be. What? What uh, I say? Hey, listen. My pronunciation. <laughs> ew, ew, that one Hola. Hurt. Como oh. esta ustedes? Oh, wow. Uh, still yeah. talking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, this week, so Griselda Blanco, uh, okay. and just so you know, for this story, I got, uh, among other sources, one of the main sources is a uh, documentary called uh, The Godmother the Godmother of Cocaine. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, interesting.com as well, and many, 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 many other sources, but uh, because she is a very popular woman, there's been lots of things done on her. So let's get into Griselda Blanco. So yeah, yes. Griselda Blanco was born Griselda Blanco Restrepo, uh, apparently in the Colombian um, and Espanol Ooh, tradition. She said it again. Go on. Uh, Blanco <laughs> uh, uh, was her mother's last um, last name. So that's how okay. that's why a lot of times Spanish speaking places they have like five names. You're like, why are all these names? Yeah. So it's a nod to their ancestry. Listen, um, I have a lot of names too. I'm not knocking it. Yeah. I think I that's cool though. That you can I have like, five trace. names. I do what do I you? want. Kind of. If you go as Miriam, Elizabeth, Esther, which is my Hebrew middle name, Lipner, and then Brynick. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. I'm Basically Spanish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or Italian. Remember we had that with... Or Italian. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Griselda was born on February 15th, 1943 in poverty in Cartagena, uh, Bolivar, Colombia. Okay. So at age three, her mother, Ana Blanco, moved to uh, Medellin, which exposed... Uh, little Griselda and her mother to a criminal lifestyle at an early oh. age. Basically, they were very, very poor, uh, as many of their neighbors in this area. And when people are poor, crime is usually high. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, crime is usually high because in poor neighborhoods, people who want to do dirt know they can come to poor neighborhoods and do dirt. And there probably won't be any consequences. Right. So that's Because also they're too why. busy and tired and exhausted and, and struggling. And no one cares. You can't get the authorities to really come out. And, you know, so. So so now they're in uh, Medellin. And at this time, Colombia. Now, during her lifetime, Colombia underwent a 10 year civil war. Oh, shit. Between 1948 and 1958. And during the civil war, it was it was where the the idea of the Colombian necktie was. Uh, came into popular culture, basically slit necks. So, oh shit! It was also a oh. time where children's mutilated bodies could be found, like throughout the city, oh. as fallout from this civil war. Oh my god, that's really bad. Yeah, so it's very, Oof. very violent, very, very unsafe. Yeah. Um, and uh, so basically, people did everything and anything that they could to survive. Um, yeah. And. Like most places, which I've never understood this, when there's a lot of poor people, rich people want to live near poor people. So poor people can see how rich they are, which is always a bad idea. I've like never um, heard of that. That's stupid. Go on. So it's like a, a, these people. So basically the where she lived, she lived in a slum or, you know, right. the ghetto or whatever, poor part of town. And nearby you could see like these high-rise condos and these like fancy homes so you're not really rich unless you can look down at the pores is that is that it yeah and it's not like okay it's, it was like right there so you could see you can smell it you can see these yeah. people coming out of gates and a gate is not going to keep these people out and also it no. it just people are like why can't i have that so yeah it 
because of this disparity in income and wealth, it, it led to a lucrative industry of kidnapping, which is still pretty prevalent in much of uh, Central yeah. America, I believe. Um, something that even young Griselda got into. So according to one of her former what? boyfriends, a guy okay. by the name of Charles Crosby, Griselda at the age of 11, she's 11, uh-huh. allegedly kidnapped a child from an upscale neighborhood nearby. What? And the, when the parents, she set it up. So it's sort of like one of those things where when they're coming out, they set it up. And also I would imagine if she's 11, no one's on guard for an 11 year old girl. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, mean, I am now. Thank you. Well, yeah. But I mean, even now I would not necessarily suspect an 11 year old. Like, think, yeah. So she managed to get the kid, sent a ransom note, but the parents simply didn't believe that an 11 year old could like kidnap and ransom a child. So they didn't pay it. So she killed the kid. At 11? Mm-hmm. At oh 11. Oh my God. Holy shit. Yep. Uh, she killed the not kid. Right about this child. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. No, she's not okay. Mm-mm. You're right. Something is not right about her because yeah. she. By all accounts, uh, she says that her mother's boyfriends, probably many boyfriends, were abusing her sexually. Her Ugh. mother was had a, a, a terrible drinking problem, so her mother was verbally and physically abusing her. Um, and also, it's it's a crime-ridden neighborhood. They probably didn't have enough food, so she figures this is a payday. So she kidnapped this kid, and when the parents didn't pay the ransom, she killed the kid. Yeah. I mean, I understand that she is under a high level of abuse, and that's awful and that's terrible but you know they're not all murderers i'm just well also that out there also it's it's one of those things where if you have a parent even if they're in this circumstance but they are caring and they're loving they could be like you know it's not right where did i go wrong this is not right to take a child what is wrong with you but it Mm. seems like she's one of those children who are basically raising themselves they're out in the streets all times of night and the parent acts like uh, a sibling versus a parent. Is that kind of situation setting up? Yeah, so okay, okay. Yeah, it's, okay. Not, it's not to excuse it, but well, like a murderer. Is, okay, she go on murdered this child. Yeah. Um, Beat and her then up, after maybe. that, yeah, go and on. then after that didn't work. Um, she, you know, she did all kinds of things. She was a pickpocket. Uh, you know just to survive, to get money. And I, I, I would imagine there's always the looming um, threat of prostitution oh, for a young girl. That's true, yeah. You know, so you're like, if I kidnap this kid, that'd give me a lot of money, so maybe I can move away, maybe I can go, you know how an 11-year-old would think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, no, I, I mean, the kidnapping part, actually, I have, she a little bit, has, like, don't kidnap, it's bad. But like, I kind of see it. It's where she then went, okay, then I'll kill her. That makes me go like, ooh, mm, mm. And it's terrifying because she shot the child. And it's one of those things where like, this is what's terrifying that an 11-year-old who doesn't really understand what they're doing, who also has a gun and who's also desperate, that's a very dangerous, because again, I wouldn't think that either in a normal society, because obviously I would imagine that these people don't, 
have exposure to this kind of lifestyle. So they're thinking, surely an 11 year old is not going to kill another kid. But I mean, honestly, if someone, anyone from somewhere else said, I have your child, give me money. I would just give them money. Honestly, I mean, that's what I would do. (laughs) You know what I also, I, this is just what I'm imagining. The ransom note was probably written by an 11 year old. So they're just like, what? So I can imagine there's a part of them that's thinking it's not real, really. I hear you, but your child is missing. I, I listen, I get it. So I guess she's just like, which it it kind of tracks with her personality, which I'll get into in a little bit. That okay, she's like, on. oh, I'm gonna show you motherfuckers. So you found out now. So you fucked around. Now you're gonna find out. So right. um, now around 13, she also got a taste of a little bit bigger crime business. She met a man by the name of Carlos Trujillo a smuggler of undocumented immigrants to the United States. Okay. Um, okay. They would go on to uh, be together and get married and have three sons together. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So it's not clear if they started a relationship. It sounds like that she was just impressed that he was not pickpocketing like petty, quote unquote, petty crimes, that he actually had like uh, a business, an illegal business that was successful. So he showed her the ropes. Yeah. And then it turned into a relationship. And, and so they eventually got married and had three children. It didn't last because later on she would kill him um, uh, in the <laughs> 1970s. Uh, I'm going to get to that. So, wow. Uh, okay. Big Woo. surprise there. Nah, I mean, not uh, really. <laughs> also, her life is a, ma- a matter of people underestimating her because she's a woman and underestimating how brutal she can be also. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm scared now, of her. I'm not going to underestimate her at all. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Now, again, she's, it, again, I think the relationship with her mother, I can, I can only suspect it's like her mother, her mother may have had her when she was 13 or 14. Right. So right. they're more like siblings than parents. So, but eventually to escape her mother's boyfriend, sexual ad- assaults and advances and her mother's abusive behavior, she eventually ran away um, home. And at the age of 19, was just full time out on her own. It could be from the help okay. of Trujillo. Like, you know, she's like, yeah. I'm out of here. I don't have to put up with this. I'm finally making some money. Um, now, others speculate that she engaged in prostitution to support herself, but she always denied that. So okay. um, it's hard to tell uh, which is true or not. Uh, now, a lot of this, take it with a grain of salt because she is who she is. So some of this may be... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, embellished, but I think a lot of it is actually real as crazy as it is. Okay. Uh, Cause a lot of it is documented. So, okay. Oh, so, okay. so she's out of the house 19, um, and her and Trujillo are doing really well. She, she's learning the ropes. She took to it like fish to water. Yeah. So they decided to, um, go to, um, to maybe try New York. She got, she was like, maybe I need to get out of here, you know, to sort of, um, you know, expand my horizon. So she hooked up with another man by the name of Alberto Bravo, uh, who his business was cocaine, cocaina, Mm -hmm. which where Trujillo was more like sort of like a low level kind of guy. Alberto Bravo, her second husband, was like legitimate big time player. Okay. She's climbing the ladder. That's what she's, she's climbing doing. the ladder. So 
probably Trujillo. You know how these guys are. He, I can see him seeing her like as his little, like a little, a little shorty that he's seen come up. Now she's a woman. Da, da, da. She's like, I'm jumping ship. I'm going over where with a real man. Mm. Okay. Going over to the has cocaine. She, has she already birthed the three children? Uh, probably. Oh, you know? damn. So, Girls got busy times. Okay. I mean, you know. I hate to say it, but I I would I would not be surprised if they started having sex while she was thirteen or fourteen. Like yeah, I just that's terrible. Yeah. But yeah, you're probably right. Um, but in her mind, that's actually a relationship, a consensual relationship, even though she right. can't really consent at that age to like yep. some creepy dude that's her mother's boyfriend, right? So, exactly. um, now Alberto, like I said, was a legitimate like like it legitimate business of cocaine. He also had a network already set up that and he had business acumen and Griselda's already learned like illegal business, how to like think like that. Again, this is an uneducated girl who's been living on the streets, basically. So they actually head to New York and they set up shop in Queens, New York in the 1970s. Oh, that's the time to do it. (laughs) Where the cocaine business exploded in the 19 in the early 1970s thriving yes she was yeah and also because alberto had a direct line to uh um to uh distributors um in colombia they really were able to set up shop so much so and even bypass the mob that's already set up in new york oh damn okay go on yeah and then this is where she got the moniker the queen of cocaine because she came up with an ingenious way to smuggle the cocaine in so she would she she developed a series of like undergarments bras underwear shapewear that had like hidden pockets for young women and she would hire they would hire attractive women who were already busty to come in and flirt with, you know, the security guards and da da da, and like get the, get the the cocaine in that way, right? It's very very Damn, smart. That's very and then, smart. Very smart. And then also, she came up with the idea of like those crates. You know, the crates that like you'll see like in warehouses and like you you'll actually see them at like Home Depot. Like oh. Like the pallets. Now, now I hear you. Yes, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So the beams of the the pallets, she would hollow them out and put cocaine in those. Oh my god, girl, get her yeah. done. So ingenious. It was they did so well. It was estimated that they were making ten million dollars a week. Holy fuck! <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. in the wrong business, Lavetta. Yeah. And what and in the documentary I saw, one of the documentaries, they were saying they estimated that um, at this time, two thirds of the cocaine that was coming into the United States was coming from Colombia. Wow. Like that's how much Columbia or just. Yeah. Like, through them. That's how much oh, cocaine they were. Wow. Moving. OK. Yeah. All right. And Both because they had skills. a direct line to uh, suppliers. Right. Listen, intelligence does not always come from education. Yep. <laughs> now, because she's doing so well, and also because, again, the, the city was flooded with cocaine. So yeah. whenever that happens, law enforcement is like, what the fuck is going on? Right. right. So they started to look in clo- They started to look closer and figuring out because if you're doing well, but not extraordinarily well, you can kind of stay under the radar. So 
Uh, but they were doing extraordinarily well. This right. is $10 million in 1970s dollars. Okay. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. So um, this, again, this is where she was crowned godmother of cocaine. Uh, but because they were so successful, they started to uh, attract attention. So in 1975, she was indicted on drug conspiracy charges, along with 30 of her subordinates by a joint NYPD DEA sting operation called Operation Banshee. It was the oh. largest at the time. Okay. Um, and also because now remember uh, Trujillo, she learned how to forge documents and then with a right. the new husband, she'd learn how to move cocaine. So once she learned that they were basically going to put her in jail, her and her husband fled. By oh. She used documents, her, her expertise. So they fled back to Colombia. Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. too. So were I she, the kind of person to do what she does? Go on. Exactly. So <laughs> she, um, so they went back to Colombia. And now while she was there in Colombia, apparently... Alberto started like seeing other women. He got money. Mm. He's, she didn't really mm. care about that. What she cared about was the missing millions of dollars that she, she found oh. out was missing out of the coffers. Oh no. So she's, oh no. I don't think motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Uh, so she apparently her and Alberto got into a shootout. Oh shit. <laughs> where she, where, um, it it was like what you see in the movies. It was like a a, a shootout, like a like a brrr, like, and at the end of it, she's the one that's standing. Damn, it's the ten dual commandments. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because it was one thing that they said he was, you know, fooling around on her, and then he had uh, decided to kind of ditch her because again, she's just a woman, whatever. But again, right, she's like you can fuck whoever you want to fuck, but don't be fucking with my money. Mm-mm. Don't be fucking Mm-mm. with my money. Um, according to the, the legend w- during the shootout, she pulled a pistol out of her boots and shot him in the face. Oh, damn. Okay. Wow. And then he, he, sh- he fired a shot from an Uzi into her stomach. <laughs> did he, did he do it? Did he get there? Well, I mean, I mean, and then again, that's, this is a hyperbole and like the legend. Um, cause some say one theory is that, so Pablo Escobar, have you ever heard of Pablo Escobar? I've heard of Pablo Escobar. Yeah. I just don't know why. Now, Pablo Escobar is known as the king of co- cocaina. That's why. Yes, so yes, yes. now she's about six years older than him. He was born in 1949. And when she was coming up in the streets of Medellin, he probably had seen her around. Again, he's six years younger than her. Right. Right. So she's she's like, who's this little kid? Right. Whatever. But. <laughs> When her and Alberto come back to Medellin, they realize Pablo has already set up shop and he's like the king of the area. There's other people, but he basically, everybody pays him tribute. He has cornered the market. Um, He, oh yeah, Pablo Escobar became so rich that the United States government had to take him down. Like he, he, and he had a lockdown on the local business. So she couldn't really get a foothold in the local business, her and Alberto. And that's probably why she was pissed about the, the millions of dollars. Yeah. Missing. Well, she um, got it back. She got it back. She got it, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> or she got it back in blood, maybe. Um, like emotionally, she got it back. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Now, one account is that Pablo had uh, Alberto killed because they were kind of like trying to sniff around and he wanted to send mm. a message. But but later on, upon her death in the autopsy, they actually found a bullet in her stomach. No <laughs> shit. Yes. 
Oh, so she just like was like, it's fine. I'll digest on the other side of my stomach. She, you know, the, wow. the Tony, the, the uh, Scarface movie with uh, uh, Al Pacino with Tony I mean, I- Montoya. Basically, it's based on Griselda Blanco. A lot of people think it's based on Pablo Escobar, but it's actually based on Escobar because, I mean, on uh, Griselda because she didn't give a fuck. And <laughs> she was a lot more ruthless than Tony Montoya. <laughs> she didn't give a fuck. Damn. So uh, she obviously there's some mental stuff going on with Griselda. Um, she's a I sociopath. Mean, you yeah, yeah. yeah um, and you saw it when she killed the kid. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, there's a part of us that wants to believe a child. Oh, maybe she didn't really know what she's doing. But knowing what I no. know about her now, no, no, she she's a sociopath. So yeah. now, upon the death of her second husband, because by this time she's already killed Trujillo. Wow, she's, um, she's busy. Yeah, she got mad at him, so she already killed him. Um, yeah. So yeah, he pissed her off. Um, now she so after the second husband's death, she became known as the Black Widow, okay. and she was in yes. full control of the drug empire. Um, but she she continued to smuggle cocaine into the United States. Uh, allegedly in 1976, she smuggled uh, a bunch of cocaine on aboard a ship known as the Gloria, which the uh, oh. Colombian government had sent to America as part of a bicentennial race in New York Harbor. Okay, very clever. So, uh, but she's control of the the empire because she got rid of him. I don't blame. Him. I'd be pissed too if I was if I was this kind of person in this kind of business. He would have had to die. Millions? No, nah, motherfucker, I mean, you gotta go. Yeah, no, that's you got not to cool. Go. Um, in 1978, she married her third husband. Wow, risky. Okay, <laughs> a bank robber by the name of Dario Sepulveda. Listen, now, Dario has the kind of confidence we all should have. Yeah. I mean, I could, you know, yeah. I would never. But I mean, men ahead, always Dario. think men always yeah. think they can handle the woman. So now, mm-hmm. she that same year they had uh, she had her fourth son, Michael Corleone, because of course she's oh, taking shit. the whole godmother of cocaine <laughs> series to heart. Okay, um, now because, like I said, Pablo Escobar basically had sway over all the players in Colombia. She was like, I got to figure out. I can't really get a foothold here. So what's my next move? So she sets her sights on Miami, Miami, Florida. Welcome to Miami. Yes. In the 19, late 1970s. Now, she basically was an early pioneer of the Miami-based cocaine trade. Uh, She used her her already extensive knowledge of the cocaine trade. Yeah. um, And she basically sought to put the drug in as many hands as possible and for so she landed in miami everything was going great by the 1980s like i said about uh actually in new york two-thirds of the cocaine that entered uh came from columbia that flooded the city in miami by the 1980s three-fourths of all the cocaine uh that came into the united states was produced by (laughs) columbia well it's like business growth that's capitalism for you okay it is said (laughs) that about $20 billion worth of cocaine moved through Miami at that time. Damn. $20 billion. Damn. Holy, I can't even, what? It's it's so much money you can't even, like, comprehend. Like. No. She 
it, it, it reminds me of that scene in Bad Boys 2 where the, the drug dealer has so much money that the rats are eating it. So he has to figure out a way to like launder it. And which, you know, every good drug dealer needs to figure out a way right. to launder their money. So, of course, oh, she started legitimate I businesses. Bad. Yes. Real estate, different businesses. Car wash. I'm just Car, yeah. out there. No. Um, her sons now are running different parts of the business. Yeah, uh, she are. lived an extremely lavish lifestyle. Homes, like expensive cars, private jets. Well, of course, because I mean, she's making this kind of money. <laughs> what else do you do with twenty yeah. billion dollars? I mean, it's literally out of like The Godfather. Like, I mean, out of a, like a, a, a Scarface. Like, she hosted lavish parties that had all the major players there. Uh, she she just lived it up, but she also up the violence mm. um some sources say that she would also uh, now griselda was reportedly bisexual and this is okay. not a knock on the bisexual folks because by bi, by erasure's real uh has nothing to do with her sexuality she's a sociopath no. uh, but yeah, she would force men and women to have sex with her at gunpoint this is that's rumored rape. allegedly alleged uh, rape she also did the oh no the now worst. she's bad i mean i get it but Jesus, come on. She also did the fatal flaw that a lot of drug dealers do. She started smoking her own supply. Um, They said she became addicted to something that she called bazooka, which is unrefined cocaine that you smoke. I'm like, that sounds like crack, but maybe it's a different. Isn't that crack? I don't know. Uh, It's called bazooka, Um, which (laughs) further contributed to her paranoia, which. Right. When you're in this trade, you're already paranoid. And also because people are trying to kill you. They are. That's definitely true. Yeah. Because, of course, there's a lot of competition. She's also very violent. Um, there's different factions, including the Medellin cartel out of Colombia. Um, and she also just was just flying in plain loads of cocaine at one time. <laughs> Soon, basically. Insane. Yeah. Because this is like just a, 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 a mixture, a fine mixture for chaos, basically from 1979 to 1984, South Florida was in a war zone. It's, no it's, it, it, almost, it almost like shadows the civil war that she grew up in in Colombia. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, they, it was all out war, basically, in the streets. Bystanders were not safe during this time. And they said that they can uh, trace it back to July 11th, 1979, when several of Griselda's hitmen uh, killed a rival drug dealer at a Crown Liquor store and Dadeland shop at the Dadeland Shopping Center. So in a mall. Oh, shit. Yeah. They just went in, guns a-blazing, like just peppering. Like, this is basically Chicago in 1930s with with uh, yeah. Al Capone. Yeah. Um, they wounded workers. Um, uh, only, luckily, they only w- wounded workers. But they just went in there and just shot a rival drug dealer. Um, and that basically kicked off, like, a war between her and the other people. And people liken it to basically the jo- uh, the Joker from Batman, the Joker's playbook. The the some one on one occasion, assassins arrived in an armored delivery van with the words "Happy Time Complete Party Supply" emblazoned <laughs> on the side. Oh my god! And they would come in unannounced and then just murder the competition. Authorities called Jeez. it the war wagon 
because okay. the sides were covered by a quarter inch steel with gun points. So slats would come out and then they could just pull out the guns, the nose oh of the guns. Oh my God. Yeah. Is this like Miami Vice time? Is that what? Yep. Okay. Yep. Like I yep. get it now. Yep. Um, uh, Former Dade County homicide detective Rose uh, Raul Diaz noted that he's like, yeah, they called it the war wagon. And he's like, once it ended up in their hands, um, Griselda came up with another idea. Now, this woman was full of great ideas for people, but great Mm, ideas. Definitely. Yeah. So she came up with the drive by on motorbikes. This was her. She, well, she, apparently they pioneered it in the streets of Medellin, the drive-by, and she exported it to Miami. Thank you. Thank you so much. In the late 70s, early 80s. So by the early 80s, uh, 70% of America's cocaine and marijuana came through Miami, and the bodies that piled up, mostly because of Griselda, not that the other people weren't killing too, but she was out, she was basically kind of like me. This is why I should never go into crime. Just no. kill them all. Just kill everybody. Yeah. You can Mm-mm. lay your eyes. Like yeah. anybody's a competition, just take them out. Uh, yeah. And the first five months of 1980 alone, Miami saw 75 murders. Jesus. Um, in the last seven months, there were 169 murders. Holy by 19, fuck. By 1981, Miami was not only the murder capital of America, but the entire world. Uh, yeah, I can find other places to take a vacation. That's yeah. fine. And they were, and it, again, it was her along with the others, but she racked up most body counts, it seems. Damn. Uh, and they would regularly kill people with submachine guns, like these AR-15s that were trying to get off. The, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's and why they suck. Okay. That's why they suck. And they're used to kill, they're used not to kill deer for hunting, but to kill a no. bunch of people. And these these guys were mostly known as the cocaine cowboys. There's a a, a very famous and, and very good documentary called Cocaine Cowboys about the drug wars of this era. Um, but again, if it wasn't for Griselda Blanco, the body count would probably be uh, half, <laughs> if not two thirds less. This woman needs to stop. Holy because crap. and what made her crazy is that she was so like irrational in a lot of ways. One expert put it, quote, other criminals killed with intent. They would check before they killed. Blanco would kill first and then say, well, he was innocent. That's too bad. But he's dead now. End quote. Damn. Just kill people. Mm-mm. Now, her most trusted hitman was a, a guy by the name of Jorge Rivi Ayala. He um, so she he recounted later on that she ordered a hit and she said that anybody in the vicinity would be killed, uh, should be killed, even innocent bystanders, whether they were women or children. She didn't care. Jesus, They called her La Madrina. I don't know why I keep being surprised like that actually tracks. Okay, And she would kill you like if you owed her money, you didn't pay on time. She would not only kill you, she would kill your family (laughs) and anybody in the vicinity pretty sure i won't borrow money from her okay she would also kill you if she felt like you slighted her again the paranoia the crack or bazooka whatever um she she wanted him to kill everybody but ayala was like i'll kill kids i i'm not listen i might be a killer but i'm not a monster okay right (laughs) i'll be doing like why not it's just a tuesday you know yeah but unfortunately in one case he ended up killing a kid because 
on one of his uh, assassination runs, he they basically drove up. It was probably in the war wagon, but they drove up beside a guy on the highway at full speed. So they're all driving. Jesus. They pulled down. <laughs> they either pulled down uh, the the slat and they just pepper the car with bullets. Ugh. Later on, um, and so they were uh, uh, wanting to kill Jesus Castro, another hitman, another one of her hitmans that she thought had slighted her. So she sent right. Ayala to kill him. So that's how they killed him on the freeway, like on the highway, Jesus driving. Christ. But later on, they realized when they stopped that he he had inadvertently killed his kid. He had shot him in the head twice. Damn. Yeah. But maybe that's why don't you don't pepper a murderer. I'm just so maybe that's why you don't use a machine gun to mm-hmm. like just yeah. shoot. Now, um, in late 1983, Griselda's third husband was in the firing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, we said Sepulveda we, was a brave he, man. Uh-huh. Um, and he's also stupid because he yeah. reportedly kidnapped Michael Corleone, their child. And return to Colombia with him. Okay. Yeah. So, like, he's stupid. I'm just saying, first yeah. of all, you married her in the first place. But, like, second of all, you cross her? Okay, good luck. Yeah. She, so what she did, he should have known she was going to find him. So, he goes back to Colombia with Michael. She hired hitmen to I, be dressed wait. up as policemen. Hmm? I really love that he went right back to a town she knows inside and out. Okay. I'm like, dude, go to Paris. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Sweden. I'm just saying. Sweden. Yeah, no, the cold. Switzerland. Countries. Yep. <laughs> yep. He didn't think. He didn't think this through. When you're dealing with somebody like this, you gotta really think. Mm-hmm. She probably would have shot people in Switzerland, but it'd be a little bit harder for him right. to find it's them. Just I like, think. but where do I find you? I don't know Switzerland. You know. Also, because she's got eyes on the ground, dude. Of course, she's gonna find you. In I Columbia. mean, I think Siberia is your best option here. But go on. Yeah. So she hired hitmen to dress up like policemen and they gunned him down in front of Michael, his son. Oh, shit. So they gunned down the boy's father. She got her son back, which is great. She got Michael back, who she was, by all accounts, like obsessed over all her children, but especially Michael. Yeah, but Um, you just like traumatized the shit out of that kid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But the problem is, is that the assassination of Sepulveda initiated a war with his brother Paco back ah, in Colombia. Yeah. So that she's fighting right. against people in Miami and now in Colombia. Right. Okay. So she got her son back. Great. But now because it was so bold and people are probably tired of her also because she's a woman, I'm sure these men are really pissed off being like fooled and like made to bend a knee by a woman. You know, so, but a lot of them took Paco's side, including an important supplier back in Colombia. Oh, yeah. Well, this is like a, this is like a curveball. So even though she basically had become the first female drug lord to make over a billion dollars by this time in the 1980s. Yeah. The walls would begin to close around her. And that is where I will leave us to pick up for next week. That is part one of Griselda Blanco, godmother of cocaine. Damn. Okay. I'm excited for next week. Yeah. Don't mess with Griselda. 
That was a, that was a good one. <laughs> I mean, it's like, damn, she's evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be on her side if she wasn't going around killing kids. I, I have right. To say. Or I'm random like, innocent uh, strangers. Well, yeah, there, there's that part, too. <laughs> like hundreds of them. But anyways, other than yeah. that, you're totally her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally her. Yeah. 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 Damn it, like I have a conscience. Many, many things. <laughs> yeah, but like stabbing your, shooting your husband because he stole millions of dollars. I'm on her side about that. Yeah, I think there's like one moment where you're on her side, but I think most other moments, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the bazooka. Um, don't smoke. Crack is whack. Crack is whack, y'all. Crack is no. whack. PSA. Don't do yep. it. Um. Thank you for her. My pleasure. Who do you have for me this so week? I have someone named... Kate Warren. Her last name is spelled W-A-R-N-E. I don't know if it's Warney or Warn, but I just won't say it again and it won't be a problem. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's how that works. (laughs) Right? That's how that works. That's what I thought. Have you ever heard of her? No. Okay. She's fascinating. So we actually don't know anything about her. Um from like her childhood, except she was born in Erin, Chemung County, New York. Um, we know there was an obituary published after her death that described her parents. And that's why we know that her childhood um, was poor. Um, but her parents were quote, honest and industrious people, but that's like an obituary. So who knows? Okay. Um, we know that at the age of 23, she became a widow And then we know some more things. So that same year, it was 1856 when she was 23. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Long time ago. She walked into the Pinkerton Detective Agency in response to an advertisement in a local newspaper. And she requested a job as a detective. Love it. Yes. So at first, Pinkerton was like, I don't know. You have all those boobs on you. Could you detect things? (laughs) And I mean, obviously he was wary because also there's a vagina. Don't forget. Um, No, he's probably. How did they talk in the 1850s? You say, see, see. I don't I have no idea. That's the 1920s based on media. Um, Is it like uh, Tiny Tim? I don't know. Is it? Please I stop. don't know why you won't hire me. No, not at all. No, it's America. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> it's a white lady in America. I don't know how they talked. I have um, no idea, especially from a northern New York where some people right. sound southern. I don't know. I know, Weird. right? Yeah. Um, and apparently his records uh, de- have him declaring, quote, it is not the custom to employ women detectives. But then she argued him and added that, quote, women have an eye for detail and are excellent observers. Now, I would just like to say that, like, why can't women be detectives if men can be? Like, we don't have to have some special power because we notice things differently. We're just like people, too. But because misogynists are always coming up with bad ideas and the bad idea is not to hire the woman who will probably make you a lot of money. Yeah. 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 Um, so he hires her. She is his first female detective. Okay. And so, so now he's, 
he's putting her to the test. He's like, okay, let's try this. So the first thing she did is 1858. She was involved in the case of Adams Express Company embezzlements. Uh, and she successfully brought herself into the confidence of the wife of the prime suspect. So Mr. Maroney was the suspect. So by doing that, she acquired valuable evidence and led to his conviction. Um, They had stolen $50,1858. Oh, my Lord, which is $20 billion. Billion and a half, you know, from the Adams Express Company. And with her help, they got $39,515 returned. Um, And he was convicted for 10 years. So then, wow, that is almost two million dollars. Yeah, did you look it up? <laughs> yeah, by today's yeah. standard, that's like yeah. a shit ton. That's a lot um, of money. In eighteen sixty, Alan Pinkerton decided to put her in charge of his new female detective bureau, which was based in Chicago. Oh, um, and there she recruited women such as Elizabeth H. Baker and Hattie Lawton to be agents. I don't know anything hmm. about them. But I am fascinated. We have to cover them in another one. Yeah, another for episode. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the very big thing that she did. Okay. So in 1861, Alan Pickerton's agency was hired by Samuel H. Felton, who is the president of the Philadelphia, Wilmington, and Baltimore Railroad, to investigate, 1861, secessionist activity and threats of damage to the railroad in Maryland. So, oh. note, he was, like, not concerned about anything other than his railroad, right? Yeah, he was concerned about his money. Slaves, his, uh, hmm. they ain't got nothing what? to do with us. I'm not mad at secessionists. I just don't want them fucking up my stuff. You know. Okay. Um, <laughs> so because yeah, this is either uh, the war's already broken out or getting ready to break out. 1861. Yeah, like yeah. super on the cusp. Yep. Um. So he he placed agents at various points in Maryland to investigate to investigate this. So as the investigation proceed, proceeded, he became aware that the activity in Maryland didn't just end with a railroad; it also included President Elect Abraham Lincoln. Oh, so, oh, shoot! Yes. So he received permission to continue the investigation and to focus on the possible assassination plot. So she mm. was one of five agents sent to Baltimore, Maryland on February 3rd, 1861 to investigate the hotbed of secessionist activity. Um, during this investigation, evidence unveiled a plot to assassinate Lincoln on his way to take office. So mm. I know. So she had two aliases, Mrs. Cherry and Mrs. M. Barley. And she used those aliases to track suspicious movement among Baltimore secessionists. She had, she did undercover work in the guise of a wealthy Southern lady visiting Baltimore. She had a very thick Southern accent. And I do allowed, declare. Oh my, I just don't like it when they don't want me to own people, right? Um, I need some sweet pea right oh, now. Yeah, is there not enough sugar for my <laughs> racist attitudes? I don't know. I'd probably be bad at that. But she was good. <laughs> and I bet uh, uh, in the North, they didn't know what an actual Southern accent was. They were like, like I said, it's it's 
Foghorn Leghorn. I, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say boy. <laughs> oh I'll no, say. she was. Oh she was yeah, like, I that's say, right. I say, I say, I say, <laughs> I say, I say, I do declare. Oh, oh, woe is me! I my mint so... juleps. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that because I'm southern. Yeah, my mm-hmm, mint juleps. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I need a second. Okay, I'm back. Um, and so she did. She infiltrated social gatherings. They they were at a cl- this. It's, it's this included the classy Barnum Hotel. I don't know if it's connected to P.T. Barnum, but it feels that feels right, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does. And this allowed her to verify a plot assassination um, t- towards Lincoln and develop details of how the assassination was going to occur. So he had agents across Maryland, but it was her, it was Kate specifically, who supplied many of the key details that led Pinkerton to believe the plot was actually going to happen. So she had befriended so many secessionists in Maryland and collected so many details about the plot that they were pretty confident. Hmm. So here's what happened. Okay. Lincoln was traveling from his home in Springfield, Illinois, to the Capitol via a train tour. Remember he loved train tours? I was like, you. that was a question on a history test. Oh, I don't um, think I ever got that one. I just remember oh, the, the oh, bad yeah. trip to the to the theater. Yeah. Oh, oh, we, we were very democratic. We learned like a little bit more. Um, okay. And so he liked to stop at cities and be, you know, he wanted to be the president of the people kind of thing. So he had a published program that showed his last leg of the journey was from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C., Because of the way the rail system was configured, all southbound trains required a transfer to be made in Baltimore. Now, the tracks from points north ended at Calvert Street, and the tracks heading south started at Camden Street. So you had to, like, get up, go to the other street, and get back on a train. So the distance between those stations was about a mile. So the plot to kill Lincoln was said to be that when Lincoln was passing through part of Calvert Street Station, like a row or a fight or something like they would create some sort of chaos, which would result in police officers rushing out, leaving Lincoln. And I bet you the police were involved in this. I bet you they were like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm making that up. I can't. Allegedly. It's alleged, but like, come on, y'all. We know what happened. All right. So, which would leave him entirely unprotected and at the mercy of the mob and they would surround him. And that was the plan. So it was also alleged that a small steamship had been charted, uh, that was be sitting in a nearby river. And then the murders would flee and get out of Virginia. So Mm. after they, Put all the pieces together. Pinkerton directed Kate to take the 510 evening train to New York City on the morning of February 18th. When she was there, she was to set up a meeting with Norman B. Judd and give him a letter from Pinkerton outlining the known details of the assassination attempt. So after they received the details of the Baltimore plot, it's just like if you look up Baltimore plot, this is this is this. Okay. Um Judd set up a meeting between himself, Pinkerton, and Lincoln on February 21st. So this is where Lincoln first heard about it. And he was doubtful that this was, like, really going to happen. And that just makes me sad because he he had no idea. Um, well, it's also, like, it's the problem I, I, we have today where this yeah. is where white supremacy a lot is is hard to stamp out because 
other white people who may not think that they're white supremacists always give other white people the benefit of the doubt. Yes. <laughs> and think, yes, they oh, do. They would not I mean, assassinate a president. Look how light their not. skin is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Um, yeah. But a second independent source confirmed the plot uh, from a man named Frederick W. Seward, you know, and he's a man. So then Lincoln was like, okay, I'm not trying to knock Lincoln. I'm just saying. Well, we can man. knock him and still. It's fine. I can and knock him and still him. be excited about the Emancipation Proclamation. Right? They're very excited. Think, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like Russia freeing the Jews. Thank you, Russia. Thank you. <laughs> Also, stop it. Like now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It yeah. can be. Also, Stalin was a motherfucker. But yes. Stalin yes. was a motherfucker. Right. But yes. also, thank you for your service. You know, yes. it's a mix. Um, but like, but he murdered more. Uh, we won't get into that right now. Yeah, we won't get into that. Yeah, That's, that's a long other. day. Yeah. Um, so Lincoln agreed. Let's let's do something about it. Now, I have a question. How, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No. So what day wh- is this still 1861 or is this, this is like... still 1861? He is on his way to take office. Okay. So he is okay. one and he's just like slowly getting there till he can wave to the crowds to be like, I'm going to work for you people. Okay. And uh, do the things I said I was going to do. Okay. Uh, okay. So, gotcha. so he agreed to do something. However, he refused to cancel any of his scheduled plans in Harrisburg. So he had to give three speeches. He was going to raise the American flag at Independence Hall, and he was going to attend a high-profile dinner. So they made train arrangements that allowed for him to fulfill his scheduled duties in Harrisburg. So at 5.45 that night, um, I'm sorry, let me rephrase. It wasn't until 5.45 that night that there was any deviation from his schedule. Then what happened? John George Nicholas, Lincoln's private secretary, interrupted the dinner party to excuse him. Lincoln then changed into a traveling suit and a soft felt cap. He carried a shawl upon one arm to play the role of an invalid. Pinkerton, meanwhile, had the telegraph lines interrupted to prevent any knowledge of the deviation in Lincoln's schedule. At the station, Kate entered the sleeping car through the rear along with Pinkerton, Ward Hill Lamont, and Lincoln, who was still in disguise. I don't know who Ward Hill Lamont is. No. But yes. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. Wait a moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No one told Lincoln us Lincoln did like a... <laughs> yes. Wouldn't you have woken up in history class to hear this story? This is amazing. I know. <laughs> oh my God. And then she, she sees him and she like greets him in a loud voice like he was her brother. Oh, brother, hello, how are you, my brother? And definitely not the president-elect. That's why I shouldn't do that job. Um, So he rode from Harrisburg to Philadelphia by a special Pennsylvania railroad train. From Philadelphia, he went to Baltimore by a special Philadelphia, Wilmington, and Baltimore train on the night of February 22nd to February 23rd. It was said that Kate didn't sleep a wink on the overnight trip uh, from Pennsylvania to Washington, D.C. And the disguises she provided that night allowed Lincoln to make it through Baltimore without recognition. And then he took his seat in the White House. Um, and they this think is from... 
amazing. I'm sorry. Go Isn't ahead. Isn't that crazy? So Pinkerton's uh, company came up with slogan, we never sleep because how she stayed up all night oh, to guard him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Wow. I know, right? A thwarted, so... like, assassination attempt of, I've never heard of this. This is amazing. And she was key. Instrumental. In yeah. foiling this plot. Um, wow. And she, like, she uncovered the details. She also carried out most of the arrangements to smuggle him. And she couriered secret information and set up meetings and secured the necessary four births on a train, leaving Philadelphia under the pretext that these births were for sick brother and family members. And it totally worked. Wow. My mind is blown. So isn't, isn't she incredible? She also like in during the civil war, they were used as a covert war intelligence gathering bureau. Uh, she could easily penetrate the Southern social gatherings and she kept doing her Southern woman. Mm, I can't do it. It's, so I don't know what is this voice. I don't know. Uh, so I say, I say, I'm just a woman. I'm just a woman with big curtains for a dress on. Um, <laughs> So basically, she's like James Bond, a Southern, like yes! a, an American female, like 1850s James Bond. Yes! Like, wow, this is amazing. I know, wow. right? Wow. And she, so listen, here's the set. I keep finding these women. She died January 28th, 1868. She oh. was 35 years old. What happened? They think pneumonia damn it you know you died of a paper cut back then i know wow so young i know right wow that is crazy has there been a movie or something about this like right no but you and i are gonna make this movie Yes. Oh my God. And I'm too old to play her. Damn it. I say, I say, I say. <laughs> who, who would be a good, like, cast member? Like, I'm trying, I'm to, trying think. to think. Uh, I think a younger Reese Witherspoon would have been good because she could do the Southern accent. Oh, but, Reese Witherspoon would be excellent. Um, she should probably know. still do it, actually, now at the age she, she is. Because she's um, uh, Florence Pooh. Is that how you say Florence Pugh? Pugh? Yes, Florence Pugh. Pugh. Yes, she's hired. She could do it. Listen, she's cast. It's done. I just have to do it. Is Florence American or is she? No, she's British, but she can do anything she wants. Well, she has that like that that salty that salt of the earth kind of look about her, like old American white woman look about. I think that's why I thought she was American. Did Did you see her in Little Women? She can totally be Civil War Times American. Yeah, she 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 looks hearty. Even though I think she's a bit on the short little side, but she looks hearty. Like there's she looks nothing like a hearty. wrong with being on the I, short I, little I, side. I know. Okay, but it's you know, what I mean, thing. you're hearty too. Like I am hearty. You know, but back um, then people seemed yeah. like they were hearty. You know, like yeah. Well, because that was a healthy person. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you were like, she like, looked like frail. Yeah, because you need to we work on the farm or or right. Exactly. Like you need muscles, literally. You know. Yeah, you can't be too skinny. Yeah, it's so funny when you see these like Hollywood actresses who are very thin back in like 
pre-Civil War days. I'm like, no, you look a bit too <laughs> like, skinny. No. Um, unless you're like a debutante going into society or whatever. Right. But if you're just like a work a working class woman, you should not be that thin. <laughs> if you had to like walk the two miles every day to your job, then you're going to have muscles in your legs. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, this is so cool. Like, I thought Nellie Bly was amazing. But wow, I've never heard of Kate Warney or Warren, you think? Warren, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. If you all is- know, let me know. That Uh, is amazing. Oh, she died so young, though. I know, right? Yeah. Well, wow, that is an amazing story. Um, Thank you, thank you. She risked her life to do something good, and Griselda risked her life to uh, make cocaine. Uh, (laughs) This is a very interesting day. (laughs) Isn't it? Well, thank you for that. And that wraps up our latest episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Podcast. God, I can't talk. Um, uh, maybe I was uh, smoking bazooka. Uh, no. Um, you weren't. <laughs> drugs are bad. Say no to drugs. Drugs um, are bad, you guys. Very bad. They're bad people. So, uh, but yes, guys, remember to follow us on all the things. Um, also, you can support the show by giving us a five-star review in the apple store uh, or wherever you get your podcast uh podcast of choice you can do it on spotify as well or heart iheart radio podcast uh, app you can also support us via patreon.com we are at patreon.com slash notorious women if you want to give us some moolah some cash uh you can do that at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notorious women and Miriam where else can they find us well you can email us at notorious wmpod at gmail dot com thoughts ideas we like to hear from you Um, but we also have an Instagram notorious women podcast which is fun come follow us join us talk to us Um, and you can DM us there also so and do we have a tiktok is that set up yet we have a tiktok we're on tiktok TikTok. it's fun it's notorious women podcast we have a tiktok it's new (laughs) yeah you guys miriam is killing it over there i i mean even though i thought i was like tech savvy i'm not i i'm so confused about the remixes i don't understand how any of that works i'm basically an it master (laughs) at this point so you can She's call being me modest. Yes. No, I don't know anything. I'm making it all up and somehow it something posts and I move it along. It's fine. No, she's being uh, modest. But so you guys go over and say hi to Miriam and to us uh, by proxy. But thank you again for joining us. We appreciate you guys as always. If you have any questions or if you have any uh, feedback or any notes or if you want to tell us that uh, crack is not whack, uh, reach mm. out. Mm. We'll try to help you back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. On that note, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.